0: by listening to The Elephant Podcast at www.theelephant.info Media coverage of Northern Kenya is an invisible and very destructive war. A quick analysis of these coverages reveals how the war is being fought. The focus of the story is similar. Sometimes, the story is of an enchanting landscape, but an unruly people. Other times, it is of prevailing peace, shattered by an underlying atavistic impulse in other cases it is how it almost attained modern ambition but was in flux because of tribal conflict stories of narrow escapes unexplained and barbaric murders and massacres its only variant is the story of a hidden gem in an unruly world the narrative comes with its own conventions Television features are almost always apocalyptic and mysterious. A collage of skulls, crows, clouds, gunshots, patched earth, blood, carcasses, freshly dug graves, a mound of an old grave, a woman crying or a child dying. The tone, the unsteady camera shots, a reporter seated in the front of a 4x4 land cruiser on a rough road, turning back to the camera in the back seat, surprise or sympathy, or a reporter emerging from behind a traditional hat or the 4x4 Land Cruiser. The reporter as commando, camera stand on shoulders, propped like an AK-47 in sync with the theme of violence. The soundtrack of suspense and text in blood sets the tone of these feature TV documentaries. Think about these titles Desert of Death, Oasis of Death, Road of Death and Terror, Manyatas of Death, Turkana, Living by the Gun, Sun and Guns, Masabit, Where Guns Rule, Uwanja wa Maafa Turkana Napokot Mashariki mashariki, Wajiamonds, Bleeds and Burns, Kongoto Wabunduki, The Capedo Slaughter Field. You can create new versions of this. Any Takers, Desert of Terror, Njia Ya Mauti. These have appeared on NTV, Citizen, BBC, The Guardian, KTN, Capital FM, Daily Nation, Standard, K24, and many other media houses. These are the titles of media feature stories over the last 10 years covering state oppression, diseases, terrorism, ethnic conflict and resource competition in Northern Kenya. NGOs, government policies, comedy cliches, and media frames have produced and reinforced a flattened image of Northern Kenya as a place of misery, rebels, guns, deaths, and deserts. In Desert of Death, a KTN feature story on cancer, Dennis Onsarigo, one of Kenya's leading investigative reporters, describes the landscape as an amazing piece of art with great touristic potential. Onsariko reminds us that the people are constantly moving in search of water and pasture and rarely have the time to sample the beauty and splendor since something else is hunting them down. His first story in 2013 is titled The Inside Story, Desert of Death the mysterious silent killer in Mandera County, even though the coverage is of a village in Masabit County. Something more lies in the cavalier tone that expresses the exaggerated lies of walking being faster than driving in this area, or of two people dying every day, or a car puncture leading to death. All of these stories have a familiar arc. A departure from this kind of misery-filled narrative does pop up occasionally, but even then, these stories deteriorate the same old cliches. An enchanting landscape of godly splendor, Kew Lake Paradise, the salt gem of Chalbi, Mount Ololokwe, or the praises of a cruising road trip, or is it the promise of immense potential? Lapset in northern Kenya as a future of Kenya, northern Kenya as a land of culture. The narratives oscillate between extremes of negativity. End of positivity. Old narratives, packaged in a new case labeled, use with caution. The positive vibe is cautionary. Be aware that this was impossible a few years ago. Be aware that this joy is temporary, is new, is possible only because of lapset or because the fighters have gone for a break. Culture and the environment and the story of triumph over FGM. Escape from early marriage is an appealing departure, but its sentimentalism, its repeated tropes, its throwback feel, its revisionalism, is still a confirmation of preconceived notions. There is nothing markedly different in any of these coverages. When the timelines are removed, it is hard to say when the featured events had happened. The media portrays the North as a featureless place with a cartographic sameness. In her novel, Dust, Yvonne Adhyambo Owar, Kenya's best contemporary writer, describes it as massive canvas of glowing, rocky, heated, earth upon which anything could and did happen. In this context, particularities seem unnecessary and often the media invents Non existent communities to populate the place as a star did in July 2019 by claiming that Masabit is inhabited by amongst others the Gendile and the Rajuni besides Gabra, Burji, Rendile and Borana. Another non existent community called Bingi is often copy pasted from one site to another here and there. This invention is part of the Anything can happen storyline. With this imagination, Mandera's flight is projected as Wajia's and Garissa's fears are projected as Marsabits. You are listening to The Elephant Podcast at www.theelephant.info. The cost of this violence at the Pastoralist Leadership Summit held in Garissa in March 2019, Ali Korane, the governor of Garissa County, stood up and spoke about how, while Northern Kenya shared the threats of violent extremism with the rest of the country, for Northern Kenya, there was also a more serious concern of not only the real threats, but also of perception. While the rest of Kenya only suffers when there is an attack We, Northern Kenya, are always under pressure to fight perceptions of threats. The cost of this violence. At the Pastoralist Leadership Summit held in Garissa in March 2019, Ali Korane, the governor of Garissa County, stood up and spoke about how, while Northern Kenya shared the threats of violent extremism with the rest of the country, for Northern Kenya there was also a more serious concern of not only the real threats but also of perception while the rest of kenya only suffers when there is an attack we northern kenya are always under pressure to fight perceptions of threats even when there is no insecurity anyone who hears about the north of this country will feel an element of fear that those areas are not safe and secure for investment for travel, for tourism, for trade. We have these perceptions which haunt us day and night. Ali Roba, the governor for Mandera County, was blunt with his disappointments. There are more people dying in Nairobi, Kisumu, Nakuru, and Eldoret from other criminal activities than there are people dying in Isiolo, Marsabit, Moyale, and Mandera from terror-related activities but the same approach as applied to Northern Kenya is not being used. Proclamations of closing the border, removing all the teachers, asking all the doctors to leave never happens wherever terror attacks happens anywhere, but it will only happen in Northern Kenya because of poor policies of government directed towards pastoral communities. This perceptual threat has been at work for a long time. In 2015, Specialist doctors turned down job offers in Marsabit citing insecurity even when the county government told them we are ready to pay a salary of up to 500,000 shillings and provide decent housing. The then governor, Ukuriatani spoke about how wrong perceptions about insecurity in northern Kenya are to blame for the lack of interest. But these threats go further. The media simplification of stories on ethnic conflicts and their ignorance about who the players are and what the issues in contest are has meant that reporters use simplified explanations that often favor the informant's political needs. Belinda Strait, in her paper, Making Sense of Violence in the Badlands of Kenya, points out the effects of media effacements and media marginalization that contributes to what is effectively a war, however unintended, not on poverty, but on the poor and marginalized. In this paper, she discusses the media in relation to violence in northern Kenya, where media representations tend to focus on cultural stereotypes that tacitly legitimate ongoing violence by explaining it away as timeless and cultural. Belinda points out features that wave away violence in Northern Kenya as routine, acceptable, dismissible, and forgettable. In The Forgotten People, a 1999 Human Rights Commission report, various media misdemeanors were pointed out. Many examples were curated on how media houses and journalists intentionally twist the truth, how acronyms are muddled, how place names are misplaced, how names of people are frequently misspelled. An example from the Daily Nations Watchman, column of 26th July, 1999, illustrates this. And still on matters media, Sam Akwale points out the following variations of the name of our foreign minister, all of which have appeared at some time or another. Boyana Godana, Boyana gonada, bonada goyana, bonana godaya, boyada gonana, bodae gonaria, bodana gonaya, bodana goyana, bonada gonaya, bonaya goyada. Remember colleagues everywhere, it's bonaya godana. The report concludes that these inexcusable errors indicate not only unfamiliarity with the areas but also disinterest, if not downright content. You are listening to The Elephant Podcast at www.theelephant.info If in the 1990s, poor transport and communication networks were accepted as possible excuses, now, with fairly developed infrastructure, one can call people on the ground and even Google to confirm details about places, names and concrete details. The persistence of the same mistakes indicates disinterest and deliberate simplification. All along, there has been something more at play. Disinterest and contempt are definitely in the mix, but the region has been flattened out and its complexity reduced. The foundation of this narrative lies in the British colonial era in Kenya. The British had fenced off the Northern Frontier District, NFD, and sat on it with no concrete vision of what they wanted. Ganthas Schley, in his book, Identities on the Move, writes that the British wanted nothing but they did not want to leave this nothing to anybody else. NFD, which comprised six districts, was conceived as a buffer zone against Empire Menelik's expansionism and later to persist Italy's occupation of Ethiopia. NFD kept hostile imperial powers at a distance of 100 miles of semi-desert away from the White Highlands, the Brookbond tea plantations, and the Uganda Railway. In post-colonial Kenya, NFD has grown beyond terra incognita into a mysterious place which Parcellelo Kantai in a book review for Chimurenga Chronic, says is an outer darkness that generates the ultimate fear, absolute alienation. The North has never escaped or transcended this otherness. A permanent narrative has emerged over the years to keep it where it was. In school texts, the Arabic names beloved by the Muslim northerners become synonymous with various misdemeanors that Kenya children were taught to avoid. These people, we were taught from the earliest days of primary school, were backward, primitive, writes Kantai. Jomo Kenyatta, the first president of the country who had dismissed the residents as hadas by day and shifter by night, had authorized the military to unleash terror to tame the unruly people. Military operations defined northern Kenya's relationship with the state's core. The post colonial state gave carte blanche powers to rogue officers who supervised mass murders through state ordained military operations. They gunned down camels, raped women, and forced villageization during the anti shifter operations. Pastoral nomadism, the engine of the region's economy, was curtailed. The vestiges of this plunder continues to haunt places like Isiolo, where slums, bulas, around the urban centre house stories of destitution. The Kenyan media, it seems from these stories, do not have any moral regrets. Such media practices as fidelity to authenticity, corroborations, timings, and context are disregarded with no professional consequences. The only fidelity they uphold is to the government and to the narrative. The combined assault on the already battered image of the North continues unabated. Even where communication has improved and roads have opened up, the and unreachable areas like Moyale and Marsabit, the narrative persists, emerging again and again from the remission it occasionally sinks into. Conflicts are seasons of rehashing clichés of harvesting stereotypes, a season that gives one an opportunity to engrave the narrative, adding a personal voice to a script that is passed from one hand to another. These stories are repeatable props necessary to illustrate and embellish officialdom. These are the justifications to continue with draconian ways to continue vetting northerners, to continue making it impossibly hard for northern Kenya to progress fodder that reduces people to second-hand subjects and often objects of state pity. The region is a canvas devoid of complexity. Events are inflated out of proportion in keeping with the narrative, sustaining the tradition. The new post-colonial elite have also inherited the colonialist fear about the place. A conflicting complexity has led to the adoption of a metanarrative that, according to Emery Rowe, is in short the candidate for a new policy narrative that underwrites and stabilizes the assumptions for decision making on an issue whose current policy narratives are so conflicting as to paralyze decision making. Sessional paper number 10 was thus adopted as a safe gamble that allowed for Northern Kenya to be branded the land of the shifter where adverse government policy and propaganda or to justify the state's oppressive marginalization of the people. These ideas were sold on radios and in national assembly chambers. These ideas have become the default and attendant discourse on Northern Kenya. Meanwhile, the Kenyan media has continuously pilloried the North through freeze-framing it as a region where nothing good can or does happen. Thank you for listening. Remember to catch our previous podcast on our website, www.theelephant.info. Thank you for listening to The Elephant Podcast at www.theelephant.info info. Feel free to share your thoughts on this episode on Twitter at the Elephant info.